0: If you have your Bibles, you can open them up to the book of Proverbs. Your outline tells you we will be looking at Proverbs 1 through 9. But instead of dreading a multi-hour lecture, this morning we will read the first eight or nine verses of Proverbs. And then pick up up a couple of themes that come out during uh, those first nine chapters. Which are Solomon's preamble to those classic uh, sayings that we know as the Proverbs. So you can open now to Proverbs 1, and we'll read that together in a moment. The only critique I have on that first action hero video is it seemed like that dad was eating biscotti for breakfast. I don't think that happens. Maybe it was just a chocolate-dipped thick slice of bacon. I don't know. These are Solomon's words to his son and to all of us in Proverbs chapter 1. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Listen, my son, to your father's instructions, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. They are a garland to grace your head and a chain to adorn your neck. Let's pray as we dive in together. Father, this morning as we talk about fatherhood, we can't help but think of you, our heavenly father, the one whom Solomon says is whose fear is the beginning of knowledge. You are the father of us all, those who uh, know you, we submit to you in your fatherly advice and your wisdom. We think of your son who came and showed us what you were like, the image of the invisible God. We pray that we would walk in a manner that's worthy of our Father, our Heavenly Father today. For those in this room who don't have fathers that they look up to, either have a father who's been out of the picture or one who's passed away or one whose example is not necessarily one we should follow, we, we pray that you would give them insight as they look to you as their Heavenly Father. We pray for those who, whose fathers are with you that, that they would remember uh, those things that were great about their earthly fathers where they emulated you in their lives and that they would walk um, in a way that gives honor to you by honoring their fathers who are no longer with us. And we pray for those of us who grew up with, with dads that we do look up to and whose footsteps we want to walk in, that you would teach us to be men and to be dads who do that for our own children, that we would live lives that our kids would desire to emulate And even when our kids don't desire it, that maybe they would. That you would teach us that balance of how to train up our children in the way that they should go and yet recognize that that their hearts are cultivated by you. And we pray that you would open the ears and the eyes and the hearts of our kids as we teach them up and train them up in the instruction of the Lord. We pray that you would teach us this morning as your children as well. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, yesterday was Father's Day observed in the strange household. And for those of you who are are new, that's my last name. That's not like the description of my household. It's both. I guess that's both. And yesterday was a great reminder to me that I think I'm turning into my parents I think there comes a time with all of us where we start to realize that that's happening. You know, for for most of our time growing up, we kind of push back and we think our parents are terrible or dorky or weird or eccentric. I remember growing up and thinking my parents were boring. They went to bed at like nine o'clock. They didn't go out with their friends. They drank coffee all the time. They looked so tired and... And now as I have children and I desire to do all of those things, I look tired all the time. I realize that I did that to them. That was my fault. My parents probably were cool people before I came along. And And the cycle continues. There are some phrases that my parents, especially my mom, used to say that I always thought were silly and weird and and, and I vowed I would never say those things. But yesterday I found myself saying all of them. I came downstairs in the morning and I wanted to get up before my kids did, you know, and have some time in, of quiet and peace, alone. And I'm trying to read my Bible and eat my biscotti. and <laughs> My son Hudson wakes up and, and he is like, he is either on or off he 's like this ball of energy and, and he 's excited about legos and so he 's telling me that he 's going to have a Lego birthday party because his birthday 's coming up it 's in April of next year and and so he 's like running around the dining room, like literally running in circles and talking about Legos and, and i 'm trying to listen i 'm trying not to like quench his spirit because it 's rare that the kids actually want to talk to us adults and so he 's just talking and talking and talking and talking and i didn 't know what to say to him because all I could think uh, in my head to say was, "Daddy needs a little peace and quiet but i don 't say things like that that 's something my mom says i don 't say peace and quiet that 's what old people say and but I found myself wanting nothing more than a little peace and a little quiet in that moment, and I, I didn't get it. And so I, I went into the kitchen, and, and I started making dinner at 7 a.m. Because I told Jessica that all I wanted to do for Father's Day was nothing. Um, I wanted to do nothing, and I wanted to turn on the barbecue and smoke pig meat. That's all I wanted to do. And so... The men are like, yeah. The women are like, what a weirdo. I don't think we should go to this church anymore. And so I, I went into the kitchen. I started making this marinade and this dry rub. And, and my son Carter comes in. And he lays down on the hardwood floor, of course, with his pillow that he brought from upstairs. And so his head's on his pillow. And he's laying on his back. And he starts using his feet kind of like a motor. And he's jetting around the kitchen like this little motorboat on the ground. And, and, and I didn't know what to say to him to make him stop, because the only phrase I could think in my mind was, Carter, you're underfoot. And I remember as a kid, my mom would tell me that I was underfoot, and I thought, that phrase doesn't mean anything. What does that even mean? And, <laughs> and now I realize that he's literally under my feet, and, and yet I didn't want to create that same thing my mom created with me by telling me this word that makes no sense, right? And so I, I turned to him as, as a five-year-old, and I said, Carter, you are literally under." foot that's what you are and and it just came out it came out as the day continued like that there was a phrase that i did not say because i knew it would make me sound like a parent and and i don't even know where it came from but i ca- caught myself almost saying to hudson buddy you're on thin ice right now <laughs> We left, we went to Home Depot because I wanted to uh, build a tree house and I was terrified. And so I thought, I'm going to go build it out of PVC today and see if I can just envision it in the air. And, and so I dropped my kids off with Jessica at the mall because they had to go get some Lego thing. And I'm driving with the last like, minute to Home Depot alone. And as I'm thinking about the fact that I might be turning into my parents, I decided to put a final test on the theory. I turned on the radio and I switched to FM. 96.5. Which as a kid, KOIT was, was always the station that was reserved solely for dentist's office waiting rooms. And in my terror, I started to hear songs from when I was in junior high on KOIT. And then as I listened more and more, I, I started to feel this great conviction that I had made fun of this station my whole life because this was a great station I started to realize that KOIT is the hidden gem of the FM dial, and so then I, I turned it over for a final test to 101.3, and I was blown away at the quality of the programming, and I realized, I'm my parents. <laughs> I've arrived. I'm here. Those of you who have children may have realized that you are inevitably turning into your parents, which is a great thing when your parents are great parents. I have great parents. Some of you grew up and you had not-so-great dad or a not-so-great mom, and so your whole life you've been having to work intentionally to not pick up the habits of your parents. I haven't had to do that. And yet, with this feeling that my parents were kind of out of it and dorky and uncool, I've always just wanted to be my own person, do my own thing. But then when I had my children and I started realizing that I, I love them so much and I, I want them to understand the truth about God and I want my kids to understand uh, what a quiet home feels and sounds like and, and I, I want my kids to understand how to live upright and moral and orderly lives and all those things, I, I start to realize that I'm becoming my parents and I, I find that a lot with the words that I use because when I lecture my children, I realize that's what parents do. If you read the book of Proverbs, the first nine chapters especially, it, it maybe if you're a kid, you'll read that and think, oh, it's a lecture from Solomon. Now, If I told my kids, hey, I've got a great idea, I'm a wise dad, and I'm going to write you a 31-chapter book <laughs> about how to be a good person, I don't think my kids would read that book. Most of my kids can't read, so that's, that's one of the reasons, but... I kind of feel for Solomon. Solomon was reported to be the wisest man who ever lived. And yet he writes this book because he has this deep love for his son that I'm sure everyone else in the kingdom, as this book started to come out, would go to Solomon's son and say, Whoa, did you read this book your dad wrote? And He's like, Oh, come on. My dad is so lame. And I say, You know your dad's the wisest man who ever lived, right? He's like, Shh, You don't live with them. We realize these are the Proverbs of Solomon that he wrote for for everyone, but over and over in these first nine chapters, he starts referring to his son. Listen, my son, to your father's instruction. For you dads out there this morning, this is a great book if you want to understand the heart of the wisest father who ever lived and the priorities and the practices and the the focus that he wanted to give to his son and to his children. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. Verse 8 says, listen, my son, to your father's instruction. Do not forsake your mother's teaching. They're a garland to graze your head and the chain to adorn your neck. Now imagine Solomon is saying this out loud to his child. And that's when you get the eye roll and the kid says, oh no, the lecture's coming on. And Solomon goes on to tell his son what to do if sinful people try to entice him. He says, son, if, if men come up to you or other boys come up to you and they, they want to go do something bad, don't go with them. If they want to go and throw rocks at cars in the ancient times, chariots or something, don't go with them. If they say, hey, let's go, let's go rob a liquor store, don't go with them. Son, you need to understand there are kids out there who are doing wild things. And son, you need to stay away from those Boys, because they're no good, they'll get you in trouble. You'll be in jail with them. Don't go with those boys. And the dads in here think, yes, yes, I want to tell my kid that. But imagine you did. Sat down your 12-year-old son and said, hey, I want to give you a lecture about boys out there. Because I know in your school there's boys who are getting into trouble. Boys who are going to juvenile hall. There are boys who are doing bad things, and and you need to know that you shouldn't go with those boys. What would your son say to you? Oh, thanks, Dad. Like, let me go get my notebook and take some notes. (laughs) Probably roll his eyes. Dad, come on. I don't do stuff like that. I'm not. Kids in my school aren't that crazy. Come on, get with it, Dad. Dad. And yet the reason you're lecturing your kid is because you're seeing some things in his young life that you're nervous about. These lectures don't come out of a vacuum. You see your kid and you see that they're starting to make some choices that maybe you used to make when you were a kid. And you think, I don't want my kid to go down the path that I went down, so I need to tell him about it. And yet when he looks at you with that blank stare, like, why are you talking to me about this? This is so irrelevant. You're thinking, this can't be more relevant. Did you see that thing that was going on at Bayfair a couple weeks ago? See that in the news? It's this great, uh, great's the bad word, uh, terrible uh, like social networking thing where kids will jump on Facebook and they'll set up a location. And say, hey, we're all going to meet over at Bayfair on Friday at 7 p.m. And so kids will see what's going on. They'll jump on BART from all over the bay. They'll roll into Bayfair, 7 p.m. They'll meet up, and then they'll just start wreaking havoc. Like carjacking people and stealing cars. One kid stole a car with a baby in it and went to jail for kidnapping. They're like smashing windows, finding kids and just beating them up as a gang. This like flash mob of kids from all over the Bay Area that just get together to do no good. And we read those things and we think, I don't want my kid there. I don't want my son going with those kids. He needs to stay away from Facebook. That's where bad things happen. My kid needs to stay away from Bayfair. Maybe that'll keep him safe. Because he's either going to get beat up there or he's going to beat somebody up there, right? And we see the words in scripture about evil kids that will entice your children. And you think, I need to give this lecture to my child. But your child rolls his eyes and says, Dad, we don't do stuff like that. And so you let him go. And he goes out with his friends. And he does something stupid. And then he comes back home. And you're thinking, did he not listen at all to the lecture that I gave him before he left? I told him to be home by 10. I told him not to go to Bayfair. I told him to not hang out with wicked people. I told him to stay away from Facebook. I told him all those things. And then he goes and does this dumb thing. And so he's coming home. And you think, okay, I need to turn up the volume of this lecture. Because it's not working. And so you say it louder. And your son says, Dad, I'm not like that. I'm not doing things like that. It was a misunderstanding. You don't understand me. And his volume gets louder. So your volume gets louder. So his volume gets louder. And we start to feel like maybe I'm just not talking loud enough. The problem with the volume thing is that Solomon in Proverbs recognizes that volume isn't the issue. When he speaks of wisdom, he says in verse 20, out in the open, wisdom cries aloud. She raises her voice in the public square. On the top of the wall, she cries out. At the city gate, she makes her speech. How long will you, who are simple, love your simple ways? How long will mockers delight in mockery and fools hate knowledge? Repent at my rebuke. Then I'll pour out my thoughts to you. I will make known to you my teachings. But since you refuse to listen when I call, and no one pays attention when I stretch out my hand, since you disregard all my advice and do not accept my rebuke, I in turn will laugh when disaster strikes you. I will mock when calamity overtakes you, when calamity overtakes you like a storm, when disaster sweeps over you like a whirlwind, when distress and trouble overwhelm you. Then they'll call to me, but I won't answer. They will look for me, but will not find me, since they hated me knowledge, and did not choose to fear the Lord. Since they would not accept my advice and spurned my rebuke, they will eat the fruit of their ways and be filled with the fruit of their schemes. For the waywardness of the simple will kill them, and the complacency of fools will destroy them, but whoever listens to me will live in safety and be at ease without fear of harm. We see in this the heart of a father who is terrified that if his son goes down the wrong path, he's going to have to reap the fruits of his labor. But we also see that volume isn't the problem, it's listening. If you read through Proverbs, the first nine chapters of Proverbs, you see Solomon saying over and over again, listen to wisdom. Search for it like hidden treasure. Hate being a fool. Love being a wise person. Don't go with evil people. It will go well with you if you do the right thing. There's a way that seems right. It leads to death. But the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. It's interesting, as you read through Solomon's lecture, the biggest passion he has is that his son would be a listener. And not a listener to the friends of his or to the adulterous woman and her cries or or to the dishonest people at work, but a listener to the Lord and, and a listener to knowledge and a listener to wisdom and a listener to his father. But the hard thing about wanting to raise up sons and daughters who are listeners because we don't have control over that. You can control the content of your lecture, but you can't control whether or not it will fall on deaf ears. And so there's some tension there because we want our kids to raise up to follow Jesus, and, and, and yet we know we can't make them. I remember when I first became a Christian uh, here in our youth group, I, I wanted to start reading the Bible. I knew that's what Christians do, and so the night that I received Christ, it was October 1st, I I grabbed the, read the Bible in a year plan off the shelf, and and I checked the box that night, October 1st, Genesis 1, or whatever it was, and then the next day, Genesis 2, and then I forgot for a while, and I thought, oh man, it's been a couple days, so I pulled it out, and now it's like December, and I realized, where's the time gone? So I jumped back to October 3rd, checked. And then I kind of forget for a couple days, and then I open the thing up again, and it's April, and I think, how have I forgotten for four months? And I spent the next year and a half just trying to remember to read the Bible, and I just couldn't do it. It didn't make any sense to me. And, and then one day, I went out to college, and it was the first couple of weeks of school, and, and I don't know what happened, but I woke up in the morning thinking, I want to read the Bible. And so I went over and I dusted it off and I opened it up and the bookmark fell out and realized I'd read it like five times my first year of following Christ. And and so I opened it and I began to read. And as I was reading, it was making sense. And I was realizing that these these are words that bring life. This is very helpful to me. This is helpful in crafting my worldviews. This is helpful in crafting my life and where it's going. This is helpful for all these different reasons. And I'm looking around, everyone's asleep in my room and I'm thinking, how did none of these people know how good this book is? And and the next day I couldn't wait to wake up, wait to wake up and read it again, and then the next day to read it again, and the next day to read it again, and it was like I had discovered something new, and, and I had no idea what happened, but it was like on Thursday I had no desire to read the Bible, and then on Friday my life changed. And it was based on nothing that I had done. But what had happened is the Lord had opened my eyes. He had turned on my hearing aid. And how it made sense. That's the moment we want for our kids, isn't it? We train them up. We tell them the way of the Lord. We tell them about Jesus. We tell them the right things to do. We create boundaries for them. We, we, we raise them up in the way that we hope that they will go someday. But we know that we can't flip that switch. We can't make them into listeners. We can't change their hearts. We can't open their eyes. We can't open their ears. And so as parents, we pray that that moment would happen. And we look forward to that moment. And we fear that it might not ever happen. And Some of us who have kids who are older and the switch still hasn't flipped. We go to the Lord and we say, when? train up a child in the way he will go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. I'm, I'm seeing my child departing from it. And, and we start to feel like, well, maybe I haven't trained them up right. Maybe I haven't told them the right thing. And we know that it's not because we didn't give enough lectures. And yet sometimes it feels like it's our fault. And yet when we read Solomon's words, the wisest man who ever lived, we see the same heart for his child. Because I pray that you will wake up. You'll fear the Lord. You'll understand and desire the truth. That's good advice for us too, isn't it? And sometimes we go through life and we live like fathers and we live like mothers and we forget that we're also children. You know, I, I feel like a, as an adult, now I'm realizing that I'm like my dad when he was raising me up, but, but I still think, well, I, I don't want my dad to tell me what to do because now I'm an adult. I do what I want to do, right? And I forget that I'm not just a father, but I'm also a child. And the advice in this book is not just great advice on what I should teach others, but the advice in this book is great advice that I should live by. Solomon's talking to his kid, but a lot of the advice in Proverbs is very helpful for an adult. He's telling his son things like, Stay away from the home of the adulterous woman. Cling to the wife of your youth. I wonder if his son had a wife when Solomon was writing these words. Tells his son that he should be ethical in his business dealings. That if he finds himself in debt, he should work hard to get out of it right away. That he should not be someone who's dishonest with his scales and and cheats the public who are coming into his store. That he should be a man of integrity in the workplace and in his home. That he should be a man who follows the Lord and trains up his own children. When Solomon says, train up a child in the way he should go, he's giving that advice to his own child about when he's a dad. And Solomon is writing these words to his son and yet they're so applicable to us as adults. I think there's a great power that comes when we realize that we are simultaneously parents and children. We're char- children of the Lord, and we're children of our own parents as we parent our kids. And we know the difference between a, a parent who says, Live like what I say, not like what I do. And we want to be those parents who live these things and teach these things, who show these things and say these things, that we're not just mouths that are lecturing, but we are people who are also surrendered to Christ and his wisdom soon the disciples, as they followed Jesus, and Jesus said, hey, I'm going to leave and prepare a place for you. The disciples said, well, Lord, how will we know w- where you are? We don't even know where you're going. What's, what's the way to get there? And Jesus says, I-, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. And Jesus answers the question that's brought up in Proverbs over and over again, where Solomon says, there's a way that seems right to a man. But in the end, that way leads to death. And we read that, we think, okay, what is the way that leads to life? And Jesus says, I am the way that leads to life. So Proverbs is created not just to make us people who live moral lives and upright lives and integrous lives, but Proverbs is written so that we might be people who find Jesus and follow him. That's where integrity comes from, is we we follow him and we tell our kids, follow me as I follow Christ. And that's not foreign to Solomon. He starts it out by saying the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So if we are to be people who live the Proverbs, we should be people who start with a, a vibrant relationship with the Lord and then we walk in his ways as we train up our children in the way they should go. Yet some of us are grieved by that proverb train them up in the way that they should go and when they are old they will not depart therefrom because our children are, are growing and when and they seem to be departing. They're not following the Lord. They're making poor choices or they're doing their own thing or they're saying, I, I have faith mom and I have faith that I just not like yours but we realize that, that they just don't get it. Their, their eyes aren't open, their ears aren't listening still and they're getting older and they're wayward you know people have come back to that proverb and said you know it's, it's a proverb it's a principle not a promise and yet that doesn't make us feel any better because we want our kids to walk with the Lord And people say no this isn't about just if you train up your kids to be a Christian then they'll be a Christian what this is is if you can find out the way that your child should go and you cultivate them in that way they'll go that way And then you think, well, my child went the wrong way. Did I send them the wrong way? And for me, the most impactful thing about that proverb is it says, when they are old, they will not depart therefrom. It doesn't say train up your child in the way they should go, and when they get to fifth grade, they won't depart therefrom. Train up your child in the way they should go, and when they hit the teenage years, they won't depart therefrom. Train up your child in the way they should go, and when they get married, they won't depart therefrom. Train up your child in the way they should go, and when they have kids, they won't depart therefrom. Train up your child in the way they should go, and when they have grandkids, they won't depart therefrom. It says train up your child in the way they should go, and when they're old, they won't depart therefrom. How many of you are old? (laughs) Oh, I thought nobody would raise their hand. Solomon creates in that this tension where we know that there's no perfect formula to raising godly kids, but the tension is that our game is not the short game, it's the long game. Some of us will never see our children walking in the right way because they are going to be transformed when they hear the stories about you at your funeral. And yet if we live our lives thinking, I need to see my child transformed, you might be very disappointed because some of your children will not depart therefrom until they are old. And we know that the the preferential route is that we train up our kids and they walk in those ways their whole life and never depart. But Solomon allows that tension that we're playing the long game. We're raising our kids now. We're instilling wisdom in them now as they're 5 or 15 or 25 or 35, and it changes in every stage of life. But, But our goal is not that they would get it right now, although we would love it. Our goal is that someday God will open their eyes, he'll open their hearts, and it will make sense. Howard Hendricks talked about teaching in the classroom with kids. He says that teaching is assembling a time bomb in the classroom for detonation at a later date that in the classroom you're instilling all these truths and these processes and these these habits in these kids, and and you know that someday, someday they'll use it, but probably not today. What if parenting is the same way? That as you speak wisdom into the lives of your kids, and, and you train up your kids in the gospel and teach them about Jesus, and as you pray with your kids, that even if they don't listen now, that someday, when God detonates their heart and opens their eyes and gives them a new heart, all of those words start to make sense. They, they have their own kids and they look at that baby in the nursery at the hospital or they hold him for the first time and, and the gravity kind of sinks on them that I'm responsible for this life. What are they going to do? They're going to think of your example, they're going to remember your lectures, and they're going to start saying some of those things that they said they'd never say that you said. There's a a king in the Old Testament named Rehoboam, and when he first came to power, he had advice from the wise elders in the town. And they said, "Rehoboam, what you need to do is when you step out on the platform for the first time and engage your subjects, you need to be gracious with them, show them some mercy, show them that you're a king that they can trust with their lives." And Rehoboam says, "Okay, before I do that, let me get some advice from my buddies." And so he brings his buddies out, and he said, "Okay, here's what these old guys said: Should I do it?" And his buddies like, "No way! They're going to think you're soft." You need to get up in front of the people. And you need to tell them, I am going to whip you into submission. I'm going to take you people down. You need to fear me. I am your king. And Rehoboam listened to his buddies and not the wisdom of the elders. And so he goes out there and just rails on the people and kills his relationship with his subjects. You read that story and you think, who is that guy's dad? It's Solomon. That's his son. Rehoboam rose to power, and though his dad was the wisest man who ever lived, he made one of the foolish, most foolish mistakes a king has ever made. So there's not correlation between how good you are and how good your kids will be. But unfortunately, sometimes there's correlation between the way you are and the way that your kids will be. You know, Solomon was a wise man, but he had some bad practices as well. He had like a hundred wives. It's too many. 99 too many. (laughs) He talks in the book of Ecclesiastes about how when he received this wisdom from the Lord, what he did with it is he ran after everything he can think of to make his life meaningful. He ran after drunkenness and parties. He ran after building a kingdom for himself. He ran after riches. He ran after power. He ran after fame and eventually realized all of that is meaningless. And so Solomon went through a journey of his own before he came back and and found the Lord and found wisdom as he started writing this literature and understanding the fear of the Lord. We're all on our own journey. And yet one of the beautiful things that we see about Sol- Solomon is in that first verse of his book of Proverbs, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. Solomon was the wisest man, the wisest dad who ever lived, but he saw himself as a son. Solomon, son of David. As Solomon grew in his age, he started to develop the heart of his father David, who was a man after God's own heart. From David who has problems of his own. It's a different sermon. See this beautiful messiness that exists, where none of us are perfect dads, None of us are perfect moms. None of us are perfect anybody. And yet as we start to understand about who Jesus is and the way the Bible calls us to live and we live that way and we start to train up our kids that way that even though their journey might look like ours or not look like ours, we could take rest in knowing that the results are not up to us, they're up to the Lord. And that if we went on a path that was hard and eventually found the right place that sometimes our kids have to too. And sometimes our kids... When we never had to go through the bad path, they go through the bad path too. Because at the end of the day, we all kind of start to become like our parents. And if that's true, we can trust in the fact that someday maybe our kids will become like us. And the faith that we hold will someday the faith be the faith that they hold, even though they might have to walk through some rocky roads to get there. Let's pray this morning. Let's pray for our kids. and Let's pray for ourselves as we close. Father, you command us, you tell us, you charge us to raise up our children in the way that they should go. And we pray that we would, that we would be men and women and children who know and love Jesus, who realize that the meaning of life is not being a good person, but the meaning of life is finding the one who sent his son to die and rise on our behalf. We thank you for those of us who who know him that we do, that you opened our eyes and we know that it was nothing that we did, nothing anyone made us do, but you opened our eyes and we saw you and we got it for the first time, whether we were three or 93. We pray that we would rest in that as we raise up our children. We would raise them up to be children who follow the Lord and realize that the same type of experience we had when our eyes were opened is what they need. And that we would know that we can't fabricate that, but we pray for that. We pray that you would open the hearts and the eyes and the minds of our children to see you. We don't care if they turn out like us. We we care that they know you. And we would love to see them walking in your ways because we know, like Solomon says in these first nine chapters and throughout this book, that when we walk in your ways, we thrive on this planet. You've developed life the way that it should be lived and we know that our kids will find freedom when they find you. We pray that they would. For those in this room who who have not found you yet, we pray that you would open their eyes. That even in this moment as they're thinking about their role as parents or maybe their role as children in the homes of their parents and they're starting to be convicted that they don't know you, we pray that they would turn to you. They would come to you as their dad and ask for forgiveness for the way they live their lives and that they would find it. But as they hear about Jesus who died on the cross and rose from the grave, that you would open their eyes to cling to him and follow him to find life. Lord, we know there's a, a way that seems right to us and you tell us it leads to death. We pray that we would be men and women and kids who follow Jesus on the road that leads to life. Give us wisdom as we parent our kids as we live with integrity in this world, give us the power to do that. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And let us be parents who model and who lecture in line with the truths of your scripture and the reality of your son in his death and resurrection. We pray these things in his name. Amen. Amen.